welcome to episode 1002 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I'm not super well, but I don't feel sick. Mm. But I've literally had trouble staying awake like the last three three days. Call it a long weekend. Uh Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday yesterday um, was probably the worst of the days because Jen's out traveling for business, and so I really just didn't need to be up that much, and I just slept. like I was up for a couple two-hour, three-hour blocks and then just slept. So I don't know. I don't feel bad. I'm not like vomiting or anything, but I can't stay awake. I feel much better today already, though. So. Well, I'm glad you feel better. I knew you were feeling off because like uh, I like checked your uh, Twitch a few times this weekend and didn't I, even see you streaming. It wasn't on once, yeah. and that's very much unlike me on a weekend, especially. Especially when Jen's um, gone. Exactly. Well, now you know she left yesterday. Uh, yesterday morning. So uh, today, Tuesday, if you're listening to this when it comes out, I will be streaming, and then I'll be streaming a lot this week. I don't. Again, I don't know what it is. I feel fine. Um, it might have been COVID. I don't know. I you did tell me that that does fatigue you up quite a bit. I got my. I didn't lose the smell or taste situation, so I usually use that as my uh, makeshift COVID test. I smell Char's breath in the morning because it's uh, pure trash, and if I can smell that, I'm like, hey, another day without COVID. But, but I, maybe, I don't think that is a common symptom of the new variant. Uh, that's so. actually true. You're right, Omicron. So maybe I'm just maybe I should get tested. I yeah, think that might be a good idea. Um, but yeah, anyway, other than that, I'm doing well. Uh, we're, we're hanging out here, ready to talk some baseball. I started to listen to the reliever episode with Greg, excellent guest there. If you guys want to know what's going on with the reliever cesspool, uh, Greg's your best bet, uh, now and in season, he'll keep you, he'll keep you on top of everything during the year as well. Once, uh, we get things going and, you know, Justin, I know we haven't had any news yet, uh, really, except for the proposal being kind of laughed at there. But I think you and I are both still thinking like uh, the both sides, the players and the owners, have got more of this script written than than we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I, I mean, I think they both have an understanding of where each side is, uh, where where they themselves will give up ground and where they won't. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think they pretty much know the general area where this is going to end. Um, I don't think it's going to look that much different than. It has. Like, I don't yeah. think there's going to be... I think we're going to get the NLDH. I think we're going to ex- get exta- uh, expanded, expanded playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I think just about everything else is probably going to stay the same. I think anything else that changes might have, like, a, uh, a multi-year rollout type deal. Yeah. Like, starting in 2024, this service time thing happens. Like, I don't know if it'll be anything that's abrupt. Uh, particularly for this upcoming year, like I don't think anything will necessarily change that will impact the remaining free agents. In fact, I'm, I'm I, I feel very strongly on that. I think anything would start next year at the earliest, and maybe even roll out a couple years after that. So I'm still not in uber panic mode of like, oh, we're not going to get a season or anything like that. No, they're um, already talking in January. Like remember, like we were said, like we're not going to start panicking until we're in February, and they haven't exactly. talked. They've already had a conversation. Um, you know, there's already talk that, you know, this is that they, they're not as far apart. I think as people want to make it out to be, uh, I think that's fair too. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be, I'm hope I'm pretty hopeful though. I was also very hopeful that the NLDH would come <laughs> last year. So what True. the fuck do I know? 
True. We, we, yeah, we, uh, we stayed on that train for a while. Uh, you literally never got off, and yeah. I respect that. I respect I that. So what are we going to do today? You, it's still going to be possible for 2021, in your opinion. Yes, yes. yeah. Yes, you're still holding mm-hmm. out that hope. Um, what are we going to do today? We're going to talk about Steamer again. Uh, last time we talked about finding some Steamer bargains, just going off the standard projection. But today we're looking at something called Steamer 600. And what that is, is it's just the Steamer projections for 600 plate appearances, but for everybody. So some Johnny Two Cents down in in Double A, he gets 600 plate appearances too. And what would his skills yield and things like that? So what I want to do is find some potential gems there, discuss that player's outlook with you, and do you think it's a realistic opportunity? Uh, do they have a realistic chance to get those 600 plate appearances or something resembling a full time role? Because for some of these guys, well, we're going to start with players who are in the league and 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 capable on their own. But then we're going to get into some prospects that uh, would have to carve out a role, and I, I want to kind of see where you're at with them. Let's start with somebody who I know you like and and talk talk a bit more about O'Neill Cruz because we have we've been discussing him. Uh, I think the last time we did was all the way back on episode nine eighty seven. So we haven't done it too much, but we both hinted at the fact that we like Cruz. Cruz is a really interesting player. He's a super tall shortstop. You don't usually see a six seven. 210 guy just in general in baseball but then putting him at short is interesting and there's obviously been a lot of questions about whether or not he's going to hold there or not fact of it is though he's very good he had an excellent season last year spent mostly at double a uh, he got a little taste of triple a and even a sprinkle of major league he got nine plate appearances at the big league level but you, the focus would have been the uh, 12 homers 18 steals and 273 plate appearances at double a as you can tell he did miss some time uh, he only ended up playing a total of 70 games. So a little bit of a missed season there. But if O'Neill Cruz can come into the majors pretty quickly and find a bunch of playing time, the uh, the Steamer 600 likes him quite a bit. They've got him down for, wait, that's uh, Nelson Cruz. They got him down for 27 homers, 75 uh, RBIs, 84 runs. Actually, reverse those, sorry. 75 runs, 84 ribbies, 19 steals and a 281 average. So they really like him. The actual steamer projection is for 446 plate appearances, 20 homers, 14 steals, obviously still the same 281 average. So they like him regardless. But if he happens to find, you know, damn near a full season of playing time, they think he can be an absolute beast. So again, we've said that we like Cruz. Where are you on these numbers though? And where are you on the likelihood that he can find, you know, upwards of 600 plate appearances with the Pirates? I mean, this is the reason why I've been just drafting him nonstop. Um, and, like, the I, I was we, – we're in this uh, FPAS draft, the draft from the AFL. Uh, mm-hmm. and I had the first pick when it restarted. So we did the first 23 rounds in Arizona, and then uh, then we, we restarted once we got uh, – or last week, right? Maybe the week yeah, before. Yeah, earlier this week, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – and I was I had the first pick and I could have taken him, but I really needed a closer. So I was like super, super bummed, but I've pretty much gotten him in every other league. And it's kind of something I've made a plan for just because I see this upside. Like I see this as, uh, you know, one of the potential outcomes of, you know, full time playing time. And, I, you know, I, I there have been some people who are like, well, what if they play service time games and send them down? I don't know that he's the type of player they would do that with. Yeah, he Cruz doesn't strike me as somebody that they have to do that with either. Um, I mean, they could, but why even give him the taste of of games last year? Then the, yeah, the, and they the, didn't the two do games. It, they didn't do it with 
Cabrian Hayes. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure they will. Yeah, I'm not sure that they will either. But, I mean, there's a ton of power. There's a ton of speed. Uh, I think he can hit for a good enough batting average. Like, I don't know if I buy, like, the 281 that the Steeper 600 has. Um, yeah, they, they must be loving his gaudy Babips kind of... Uh, which I understand because, I mean, he's he is fast and yeah. he just crutches the ball. Like, it's obviously a super small sample, but, like, if you, if you want to see something that's not suitable for work, go check out his StatCast page. And yeah, and check out his AAA numbers too. Also NSFW because he was only there for 29 plate appearances, and he put up a 370 WRC plus. So yeah, O'Neill Cruz, he's nasty. He has the two things that can keep a high BABIP: speed and power. When you combine those two, you can really run a high BABIP. I agree. 281 feels a bit high for a debut. Um, I think he gets maybe a couple weeks in AAA. Like I don't know if he breaks camp, but I don't think they're keeping him down there till you know Memorial Day or or past June 1st. I think this is a get him up pretty quickly type deal. Uh, more of a you know what what is it like an 11 day cutoff for that first to get that extra year? They might have to go a couple extra days because they gave him two games last year. So I think they might play some play some games in terms of that. But I don't see Super 2 consideration, which would mean he'd have to stay down quite a bit longer. Generally, uh, it's a nebulous date for the Super 2, but it's usually sometime in June or July. And I don't see that for Cruz in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there is just I think the the kind of the sky is the ceiling on this guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, even like like you mentioned, even with Steamer only giving him 446 plate appearances, they have him for 20 home runs, 14 stolen bases. Uh, with they a love him. average like so it's like uh and i think like i said i think he's gonna break camp with the team uh and this you know this is one of the reasons you know not the only reason but one of the reasons why i kind of look at the pirates at least the top half of the lineup and go you know i don't think it's going to be as bad as as other these people make it out to be like i think don't definitely don't think it's going to be the worst or even one of the worst lineups in the league well uh, especially if they keep uh Especially Brian if they keep, keep Brian Reynolds, yep. then you're looking at Hayes, Sutsugo, Reynolds, Cruz. Um, you know, put Anthony Alford on our radar mm -hmm. as somebody to keep an eye on. So, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, Cole Tucker's there. If your boy you, Tucker is yep. up there batting high, uh, I like Sutsugo too. So, yeah, if, if the top half of the lineup is enough to at least generate useful runs and RBI totals, then the power and speed with Cruz, uh, it, it's easy. And and I like Hayes, too. I think you and I are both drafting Hayes kind of on a come-down price after he wasn't quite great last year. So there are some Pirates to uh, to go for here. I totally agree with you. And I think O'Neill Cruz is definitely one of them. I don't think he'll reach the Steamer 600 uh, metrics, uh, but I would take the the 20 and 14 of the standard Steamer, even with like a 250 average. I would be perfectly mm -hmm. happy with that. And by the way, I would have absolutely unquestionably taken Cruz, but he literally went the very next pick. You took yeah, Kniebel, which I, I think was the right pick. I was taking him. Oh, I was taking either of those two if they had made it. Kniebel, Cruz were literally my top two, and you guys went Kniebel, Cruz. I ended up going going ahead and taking uh, Lucas Sims, who uh, is at least mapped in as the closer for the, for the Reds. Not as firm as Kniebel, so I liked your pick better, and I would have loved Cruz. But, uh, yeah, he, he, Cruz went second to Mike Curland uh, in the 24th round when we restarted there. So he's great. Let's talk about a guy who's a bit more established. Um, who, if you weren't paying attention last year, if it didn't, you didn't have him, you might have missed that Hunter Renfro had a hell of a season. 
31 homers, 96 ribs, 89 runs in a 259 average in Boston. He did really well. Uh, they like him to do even more if he could find, you know, 600 plate appearances, which was which would only be 28 more than he had last year. So this one is more of just the guy. I want to talk about the guy himself because the steamer 600 doesn't really change things for Hunter Renfro. They've already got him for 570 plate appearances, but we will add the extra 30. And I'll tell you that that gives him 34 homers, 94 ribbies, 78 runs, 238 average and, and three chip in steals. Who cares? He's like a one to two type of guy. So they love the power to continue there. I guess the real question is, can he, do, do you believe he could hold the 259 average from last year, or does he come back down? Because they have him coming back down toward career marks with the 238, um, which either or I think is fine. But where do you come out on Renfro's average before we get into his obvious and excellent power? Ooh, I mean, it's whether or not we believe that the gains uh, against righties are legitimate. Exactly. Uh, so. And do you? I kind of do. Um you know, I need to do a little bit more digging in terms of, you know, but you know, in terms of kind of what exactly he changed uh, in the yeah, approach. Yeah, what what drove those improvements? Because it's not Babbitt fueled. Is I mean, his Babbitt against uh, righties was only two seventy five. So it's not like he like you know, I can't remember who it was last year or popped like a three eighty. Oh, something. I think it might have been like Dalbeck or something like that. Uh, where, like, you know, it's like, oh, look, he made improvements. And you looked at the Babbitt, and you're like, oh, no, he just got really lucky on balls in play. Like That's, that's what that's what it was with Joey Gallo a couple of years ago. Oh, he that's what it was. 500 yeah. Babbitt against left. That's what it was. Yeah, it was it was Gallo. Um, but, yeah, Renfro was only 275, like you say, to hit 250. If he can be 250 against righties, I like his chances because then, you know, you expect more against lefties. He hit 276 this past year, and uh, Renfro is a career – 263 against them so you're right it does come down to how well he can go against righties for the batting average but let's let's say he hits the the more of the 238 is he of interest to you as a as a 30 90 kind of guy uh i think he is um yeah it's i think he's a bit underrated yeah i'm 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 stalling right now because I'm looking at roster resource and they don't have him listed. Wait, what? Are you looking at the right team? They don't have him on Boston. Yeah, they they don't. Which like is like starting. Like they don't have him. I don't even see him on their roster. Did he end the season hurt? No, he no. didn't. Um, I don't. He's not a free agent. Yeah, I like. They're projecting a trade that... Dumbasses, dude. He was traded to the Brewers, remember? Oh, that's right, in the Jackie God. Bradley Jr. deal. Yes, okay, that's, yes, that's yes, my yes, mistake. Yes, yes, okay, yes. okay um, so... Yeah. Sorry about that, y'all. Yeah, we, that was uh, that was bad. So uh, <laughs> Relearning things on the fly here. So he's going to be batting four for the Brewers now. That's like one good part to another with a little bit different, though, because I wonder maybe did the Green Monster maybe help him get some extra hits there? Um, off the you know off the middle and and top of it that uh, that might have otherwise been out actually off the top of the green monster would probably be a home run unless it was just really high and they could track it. But um, do you think the park move helps or hurts this or is neutral? Um, I think it's probably pretty neutral. I'm bringing up his uh, his savant page right now just to kind of check the 
uh, what the home run would be in in Milwaukee uh, as X home run. While you're looking at that up, I'm going to mention that I just completely memory hold that train, by the way. Yeah, I did too. It was just funny because I was like, oh, that's right. They got, uh, like, looking at the roster, I'm like, Jackie Bradley Jr., that makes sense. They traded for him, (laughs) but I forgot he was on. Uh, So the X home runs, like, he he would have had 35 home runs if he played all his games in Milwaukee. So four extra. Yeah, so. I wish there was an XBA by average, which I know would be so, 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 so hard. Yeah. But I do want to point out that Renfro hit 287 at home, 231 on the road. And I don't know if that was the Green Monster, so I'm not going to say that it was. But I I, I am kind of wondering aloud if if that played a role. Yeah, um, it may have. Uh, That being said, like, a move to Milwaukee is actually not a bad spot to be because. Not at all. They don't really have any bench options that I really feel like they're going to platoon. Like, are they really going to platoon him with Jace Peterson? No. Um, and no, he he gets and and his defense improved yeah. over the last couple years. He's always Renfro's always had a good arm, but he's gotten better defensively. Uh, I want to say it was with Tampa Bay, which is not terribly surprising that they helped him figure some things out. Maybe it was that last year with San Diego. But either way, he's become more of a, a quality defender, too, which makes it uh, less likely that teams need to take him out for that for those struggles against righties because at least he's giving something on the defensive value side. Well, and, I mean, plus the DH coming in the National League, you know, yeah. kind of unlog jams a little bit of that outfield gives Tyrone Taylor a place to play. Uh, there's talk that Keston Hira uh, may, you know, be an outfielder too. So I, I think there's a pretty reasonable shot that on this Brewers team that he can get 600 plate appearances, as long as he can hold those gains against right-handed pitching. So yeah, uh, I've got him a lot higher in my outfield ranks uh, than I would have thought um, coming in. So, he's well, where do you have him exactly? Currently, I have him as my forty-first outfielder. Oh, I've got Renfro higher than that. To be oh, honest. really? I, okay. I think I think I'm going to end up uh, shocking you. Oh, no, 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 no. Right there with you. Yeah, I mean, I've got him right, quite literally, with you. Forty-one. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, on, I mean, on my current rankings, he's forty-one. I could easily so. move him up too. Yeah, he's know. in a group with a lot of other. Uh, heavy power guys mm-hmm. uh, Gallo the aforementioned Gallo Soler Meadows um, you know yeah I've got Austin, him with Schorber and Schorber's Soler right there and, and Schorber Ballinger. and Hanniger are just a couple spots ahead of him so yeah I totally uh, I totally think that everything's fine with what Renfro is being asked uh, or, or what they're projecting for him and the price his price is 163 ADP I've got zero issues with that and I would gladly pay, pay that yeah, and I mean, I can even see like um, a bigger year than than the power they project. Like, I I think he's a legit forty home run candidate. Absolutely. Um, if, if things go as right as they did last year, like I think he could uh, become a forty homer guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Renfro quite a bit. Absolutely agree, and we're firm with the market too, pretty much. That he's the forty third forty third outfielder since January first. Um, that's 33 drafts over at uh, NFBC. So we're in lockstep there, which means we'll have an opportunity to get him, and then we can decide if we want to. So I like Hunter Renfro. Uh, I like that he's on a new team, which I never forgot about. I always knew yeah. that he yeah, was on a new team. Yeah, what threw me was if you go to his player page, it still says Red Sox. I know, I know, and that's why I, did, I didn't even bat an eye. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Red Sox, Red Sox. And if, and you, then, if you sort the projections by team to Red Sox, he's right there too. 
So not 100% our fault. We memory hold that trade a little bit like a couple of goobers. Um, let's talk about a guy who is a, a bit Renfroian, if you will, and that's Adam Duvall. Uh, except not really usually with the average, including last year. He only hit 228, splitting his time between Miami and Atlanta, but he hit 38 homers, 113 ribbies, uh, 67 runs, chipped in five steals, but that batting average did hold him back. He's a 232 career guy, so we know not to bet on average from Duvall, but the power has just consistently been there uh, outside of the, the 2018 season, really. He's just been a consistent power stud, beyond that and I feel like both in fantasy and even in the real life landscape that he's a bit overlooked he's kind of like you know and it's it's the ugly plate skills he strikes out a ton he doesn't walk much that helps breed the ugly batting average but my dude can just crush the ball this is similar to Renfro in that his actual steamer is not terribly far from the 600 plate appearances it's at 559 but I'm going to give you the 600 numbers just the same 33 homers 88 ribbies 75 runs, uh, three steals, and a 225 average. So they like him to continue in Atlanta. And I'm checking right now. He is with Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We have the right team. Uh, <laughs> they like him to continue just being the same guy that he's been, which is solid, high power, but you have to plan for the average. Is Duvall somebody that you see yourself rostering uh, or you are open to rostering? I think if we get to that point in a draft and I feel power deficient, I think he's a guy I could go after. It's mm -hmm. a, that batting average hurts. It it needs to be planned for, yeah, or, or handled because it you is. You need a to have weight. a pretty good base at average. Um, you are exactly right. Because while you know a two twenty eight batting average isn't as bad as it used to be, it's still bad. It's still bad, and it still uh, hurts. So and. So, um, I mean, I like Duvall, and I think he's in a really good spot because, you know, I mean, it seems likely that Acuna's going to miss maybe a few weeks into the season. Um, you, would, you would think at least, right? You know, I know, like, people are getting, like, super excited about the videos that are being, you know, tweeted out and things like that, but... You know, we haven't really seen him run and cut, and, like, that's... The, like, if I start seeing videos of that... Um, then, yeah, I'm going to get just as excited. Uh, I mean, it's great to see that, you know, he, he's even hitting live pitching at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Uh, and so, um, and, you know, Christian Pache and Drew Waters are both top-level prospects at uh, Roster Resource has him in, but they've both disappointed in different ways uh, as prospects. And I don't think they're, like, pushing... Duvall out if uh or when uh Acuna comes back so well, and and you know they still have to I mean do you, do you believe that they're going to resign Freddie Freeman yes yes I do okay well because if not then obviously first base would be open too but then the DH is also a consideration he can play there he's a pretty solid defender I believe though to Duvall so the fact that is they probably want him in the outfield more and you know Marcelo Zuna might be back he could play the dh some yeah. acuna will probably get some like maybe once a week at dh just to at least initially to help mm -hmm. kind of keep him fresher right um I think so I mean I think Ozuna is probably their full-time DH, you know, and that makes sense. Like that they might, sense. I mean, he's so bad in the outfield. He, I mean, we've seen the yeah. comical 
moves that he's made. Yeah, so I totally agree. And like you said, Waters and Pache are both penciled in right now. I don't think both of them start all year. I think Duvall plays plenty, and I think he is, you know, th this guy that we've seen. He goes around outfielder 58, around pick 225, uh, which I think is completely fair. And if you need the power then, like you said, you jump on board, but just make sure that you're you're able to take on that that batting average because it, it it is a big hit. There's just uh, so many guys around there that I either like or offer like really interesting upside. It's just I I find it so hard for. I mean, he's going in the same areas like Austin Hayes and Josh Donaldson and AJ Pollock and. Uh, I'm in on Saya Suzuki too. I know he's yeah. not even over here yet, but I like him. Did you say Benintendi, Andrew Vaughn? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bayer, Ozuna, like, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, there's so many guys, you know, Brandon Belt, uh, like there's just so many guys in that area or below O'Neill Cruz. Like, I mean, that's the tough part. Like, I, I just part. don't see myself taking him this year, considering where he's going in relation to other, other players. Yeah, I think that's completely fair because I don't mind the player and my ranking is not terribly far off of, of where the market's at, but I'm right there with you. There's so many other guys in that general range that I'm going to get. 225 is literally where I took uh, where I took Lane Thomas in our last draft, and I'm very keen on him, so I'm going to be taking him around that pick. Josh Rojas, triple eligible, a uh, guy that we both like. So, yeah, there's a lot of options. Duvall would have to fall closer to his 275 max to uh, to get me involved. And even then, I might just go Max Kepler or Mike Yastrzemski or even Will Myers, who's been known to run a, a bit at times with his power. So it's it's a tough fit for Duvall this year because of who goes around him, more so than anything he does or doesn't do. I totally agree there. All right, let's talk about Harold Ramirez. Uh, for those that don't know, he's on the Cubs now. They uh, they got him via trade in November. Uh, he was with Cleveland this past year, uh, broke in with Miami. This is a guy I've always kind of liked, even though he's not done a whole lot. But he's one of those guys that I, I keep seeing the batting average upside with some potential pop. And now that, uh, you know, with... with he should have had more playing time with Cleveland, I believe, because they didn't have enough outfield to not uh, not play him regularly. But for whatever reason, Harold Ramirez has struggled to to really find a full bunch of uh, a ton of playing time. And maybe just because he's just not good enough. Uh, that might be it. But he is now on a team that uh, that that should offer him that that opportunity playing time wise with the Cubs. And maybe he could be somebody that uh, that really shows out for him. So let me get – first off, his steamer standard uh, is very low. They like him for 39 games as a, as a substitute fill-in. Uh, and, and roster resource has him kind of platooning with Ortega or Hayward right now. But what if – what if Harold Ramirez was able to find the full season? Hang on, I'm trying to find his projection, and I think on this one – Maybe Steamer messed up. I think they put him under Cleveland. I'm thinking Some, so, too, because I can't find him either. Yeah, I'm looking at the Cubs ones, and I'm like, why can't I find these? Let me go to the – and they don't – they don't have it by team name. Oh, it's by Cleveland. Never mind. I was going to say Guardians isn't in here, and neither is Indians, and I get that. Okay, yep, yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they do. They have it under Cleveland. Sorry about <laughs> that, y'all. So, uh, Harold Ramirez with 600 plate appearances, 283 average, 18 homers, 76 ribbies, 69 runs, and five steals. First question is, 
in your estimation, with uh, the likes of Hayward and Ortega in front of him, how likely is it that Ramirez can find 600 plate appearances this year, Harold Ramirez? I would have been more confident about it before the you know free agency or, or offseason moves that uh, the Cubs has made. Um, when they traded for Clint Frazier, or or did they trade for him? Or I think they, they signed. They him. just signed him, right? I think they, they just picked him That's up. That's right. They, they just signed uh, signed for him. Uh, but he can DH. He There's can. still a spot. Uh, but it just adds another you know another piece to that outfield. And then they sign Marcus Stroman, and people are going to be like, well, "Why does that matter?" It matters because it shows me, and they signed him to a three year deal. It shows me that for some reason they think they're going to compete. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a team that was tearing it all down. They let, like, all the faces of their fa- franchise. I mean, they had a Mount Rushmore of they faces really of the franchise, and they let them all go. There's talk that they're going to trade Wilson Contreras, uh, you know, once things reopen again. Um I don't know what this team is doing, like the organization. Well, uh, the good thing is they don't either. So, And that's what it really feels like. So I, I think right now, like, he's got a legitimate shot to get, like, 450 plate appearances. Okay. I mean, that would still be a career high for Harold Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And when he had 446 back in 2019 with Miami, he went 11 and 50 with 54 runs and a 276 average. So there's that average I'm talking about, 271 career. That's been the main reason I've liked Harold Ramirez, is I feel like he can give you some batting average later in drafts. Um, it's just a matter now of, of finding that playing time. But 450, that would work, because he's like dirt cheap in in uh, yeah in drafts. Like he, he's when nothing. you sniped me on maybe. Zimmer in... Uh... In the the F pass oh, draft, like or no, no, oh my bad, or it wasn't the F pass, it was the uh, the DC we're in. Um, I uh, I pivoted and went and and got Harold Ramirez, which uh, I liked, by the way. Yeah, I, I like him too. So I, I like both those guys, uh, Bradley Zimmer and um, uh, Harold Ramirez. And I think I, I don't think that uh, Rafael Ortega's holding them off. That that well for only 161 plate appearances that Steamer has currently. Like I definitely like in in um in a draft and hold like a deeper format like that I would kind of target him uh around Ramirez. where he's going yeah Ramirez. Yeah. Uh, if you're in like a a traditional you know Fab League 30 rounds or whatever uh you know 26 rounds whatever how many rounds I would like he's the kind of guy that I'm not necessarily gonna draft. Because I think he could, if everybody comes into the season healthy, he could have he could see uh, see himself as being like on the outside looking in, yep. and then gets into playing time either through someone else's underperformance or through injury. Because I mean, you've got guys. I mean, just look at this outfield. I mean, Raf, like I like Rafael Ortega, and he was a really interesting guy last year. Like, but, but if he a, just goes back to being the guy he was, I mean, he's he's going to be thirty one this year. He's a thirty one year old Rando, yeah. exactly. Like, um, it's exciting that he could be a power speed guy. But yeah, I agree. You know, Jason Hayward is Jason Hayward. Oh um, wow, he still is Jason Hayward. Wow, I believe so. I go with somebody Jason else Hayward for a point. long time. He has, he has. Yeah. I wonder if he would consider going as somebody else. Though. He, I mean, he should think about it. But I mean, he's got a long injury history. Yeah. Uh, he just has a long history of being mediocre. Or, or or much worse than mediocre. 
Yeah, he was um, really bad last year. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, I know he's like, he signed for another season past 2022, but, um, you know, if, if they're looking to the future, is this a, a guy that they're going to be finally saying, hey, listen, you're, you're a defensive replacement type guy now? Oh, um, it's tough. Uh, I mean, I, I think it would be hard to do on this roster, but still they could. Uh, you know, and so. And then know. our boy Hap. Uh, yeah. It, it's not so much that we don't. We, we, we like him quite a bit. He could actually move around elsewhere to create openings for Ramirez, too, because uh, Hap can play the infield. So if something else happened injury-wise somewhere else on the diamond, that could facilitate a move into the dirt for Hap, and then that opens up another outfield spot for yeah, Ramirez. I mean, so multiple we, avenues. We don't know, like, is Nick Madrigal going to be ready to start the season after his offseason exactly. surgery? We know David Bodie is not going to start on the roster because he's because he's coming off of an injury he's going to miss at least the first few weeks if not the first month or so of the season after shoulder surgery in november mm, yeah um, late shoulder surgery yeah so uh i think there is a lot of avenues for them to move guys around and get uh get harold ramirez in so he's definitely a guy who's like on my watch list in a in a traditional draft, but if you're in the deeper draft and holds that are going on right now, that's um, what I was going to ask you though. Do do you use the website's watch list feature? No, he, I'm not necessarily. Oh, okay, because I, um, I do. After a draft, I will usually go in and and you know if it's like a little star or whatever it is. I often use those at the websites uh, just for a handful of guys that I want to keep an eye on early. And I totally agree with you that that's the way you should handle Ramirez in a standard league because you don't need to draft him. Um, Cause even when, if something crops up in April that you start to like him and you want to pick him up, I don't think you're going to have a ton of competition unless he hits the ground running. He's hitting like 500 yeah. two weeks in and Hayward goes down. Well, yeah, then everyone's going to be in on him. But what is the likelihood of that? Not high. So I agree with you. Draft Ramirez in draft and hold, but just keep an eye on him in standard leagues. And, you know, if he does hit the ground running like that, like the entire industry is going to be like, oh, fade this, fade this. Like he'll be the yeah. guy that everybody's I like, don't think he'll regret. draw a lot of interest. I yeah, agree. people people screaming regression for him. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that, if he can find a path to playing time, and I think he will, I think he'll be pretty useful in fantasy. Yep. Harold Ramirez. Keep an eye on him, folks. 27 years old. Um, he and Clint Frazier. One of those two, I think, could break out. And I don't necessarily, I think most people pick Frazier, and I get it, but I think Ramirez has just as good of a chance. I just drafted Frazier for the first time this offseason. I feel pretty good about it. And he's got to be dirt cheap, right? Yeah, he, he, he's super cheap. Right Did now. you draft him in FPAS or a different league? Um, I think it was in RDC. Okay. Um, oh no, no, no. It was in FPAS. I oh, see was it right in FPAS. Okay. Yeah, and then you uh, you drafted him on a turn with another guy that we're actually going to talk about here in a moment. Um, so I'll bring that guy up in a moment. But then this guy that we're about to talk about right now, I didn't mention him because he's also going near Adam Duvall, and I'd prefer this guy, and that is Jesus Sanchez of the Miami Marlins. Now this is a guy, big time power projection. And I remember when he came up in 20, uh, Dusty and I had a team together, and we really liked him. We thought he could be kind of a uh, a game changer with power. You know, it was late. Uh, obviously, everything was late that year. It was a two-month season, so everything felt like uh, a, the sprint. So like, let's try to get this guy and see if he can be something for us. He did nothing in his 29 plate appearances. It was whatever. So he goes down this year, AAA, crushes. Ends up spending a lot of time in the big leagues, 251 plate appearances, 14 homers, 
251 average. Uh, I think he's a little bit slept on. And this is another guy, and I promise the, the last half of this list will be more of guys that don't have projections already near 600 plate appearances. But he is another one that's already kind of close at 524. But if you expand it out to 600, it moves Jesus Sanchez into another level where he's got 28 homers, 85 ribbies, 74 runs, and a 255 average um, as just a power stud. And again, at 524 plate appearances, you can assume that it's not too far off those numbers. So Steamer likes Jesus Sanchez. We got him penciled in as the number five hitter on roster resource. I really, really like this guy. I think we have not seen anywhere near his best. He's only 23. Um, I can envision a scenario, or it's going to be age 24. I can envision a scenario where maybe it doesn't even come fully together this year, and I'm still in on him next year because I really like this talent uh, with his power. Can Jesus Sanchez be a near 30 homer guy in your estimation this year? I think he can. Um, and he's a guy that I think moved up my ranks. Uh, I just uh, I just did a full update of all my ranks. Uh, and they'll be coming out on uh, on Rotographs this week. Uh, I, saw, I saw your pitcher ones. Our, our topic was almost pitchers that you made the biggest changes on, mm-hmm. except that a lot of those guys were guys we talked about in the mm-hmm. debates. Yeah. Um, and that was just your update showing that, that you updated them. But yeah, go check those out if you guys want to see the latest updated ranks from, from Justin Starters. But uh, where, where did Sanchez move to? He moved up to 62 uh, nice. in my ranks. And, and it conceivably could move him up higher. I had a hard time like jumping him up over guys like Canha and Charlie Blackman and, you know, kind Understood. of the, the, the vets that are proven and that I know will get full-time playing time. I got him right uh, there with that exact crew. So yeah. we, are, we are in lockstep again so, uh, on these guys. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't, like, I know Ross resource has him like on a strong side platoon. I don't necessarily get that. He, you know, hit like 250-something, uh, you know, um, uh, against lefties. last uh, 257 against lefties, 248 against righties. Like, there's no reason for him to platoon. Uh, and he's a guy that I think they need to figure out, like, is this, you know, got, you know, does he have another step in him? Does he have another level? Like, let's let yeah, him get, just kind of go. Yeah, give him a real shot. Yeah, like, there's no reason to platoon him with a guy like, Garrett Cooper or whoa, John whoa, whoa. Birdie don't, or don't or even Monte Harrison, um, like it just doesn't make a ton of sense. To, I'll uh, add in that he dominated lefties at AAA last year too, like legitimately dominated them. Had a nine something OPS. Uh, I, I went off the page, so I f- forgot what the number. I think it was like nine twenty eight. But yeah, like he was really good against them in the minors. Jesus Sanchez was, and even back in twenty nineteen when he was still with mostly with the Rays, that was when he was traded over. Uh, I think in the Nick. Anderson deal but um he wasn't particularly good against either side in the minors that year in 2019 for Sanchez but he was still better against lefties so I agree with you like I don't think there's any need to platoon him there's nobody on their bench that is so good that they're like oh we must like I think Garrett Cooper should probably find more playing time just in general I don't think it has to come at the expense of Jesus Sanchez though yeah no I I don't either so I, I think uh I think he has a legitimate shot to get to uh, 600 plate appearances uh, and definitely beat out the the projection. Um, and I think there is quite a bit more power in this bat than they even give him credit for. So, um, I, I mean, I think he's got legitimate 40 home run power in the bat. 
Uh, I, I think so too. Just maybe not necessarily going to be showing it. Yeah, I don't. Year. I don't know if he's going to be able to unlock that this year, but. Um, but dude crushes. Uh, yeah. Jesus Sanchez is a. I remember when he was traded. It was it was like one of those win win deals where you're like, that's a name that they're giving up. Um, but it was in in the Nick Anderson deal, so both teams were getting something. Um, and I was just I remember being pretty surprised that uh, you know that Ryan Stanek was in that deal. Trevor Richards, like all those guys, nobody was a superstar, but they were all names. And it's like okay, uh, good good intra intrastate move there between these two. And, I mean, one of the underrated parts of what he did, uh, you know, in his 251 plate appearances. Uh, last season is he actually made really good contact, especially within the zone. Um, you mm-hmm. know, for a guy who's kind of looked at as, you know, a power first approach, you typically don't expect them to be like right around league average for zone contact. And he was. Um, we'll take that all day. Yeah. So, I mean, you give me a guy who can uh, potentially be a league average zone contact guy with his type of power, the raw power that's in that bat. And I think there's a legitimate shot that, um, and I think more, I mean, he hasn't run really a lot in the last few years, but there is some speed in the profile. So I'm not saying like he's, you know, going to steal 10 bases or anything like that, but there is some chip in speed there and it could help him, you know, kind of let that BABIP come up a little bit. His BABIP was only 316 uh, last year. So, I don't know. I, I'm pretty intrigued by him. Me too. Um, I like Jesus Sanchez a lot. And again, he goes in that general range that we talked about with Adam Duvall, just another guy, Sanchez is, that I'd rather take. And that's why Duvall keeps getting pushed down. It's less about Duvall, and it's more about the guys around him. Yeah. I haven't gotten... Jesus Sanchez and draft yet, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be targeting. Yeah, I, I like him quite a bit too. Now I mentioned this next guy. You did draft him, and you drafted him in our first pitch Arizona draft on the uh, 26, 27. Oh no, no, pardon me. It was not on a. It was the the Frazier turn. You started it with Bobby Bradley, and then went Clint Frazier uh, in the 27th, 28th, respectively. Bobby Bradley is the guy in question here. Um, I like this guy a lot too. I'll, I'll, I'll say out front. I thought he was somebody who was shown some interesting things last year. Like Sanchez, he had uh, a, you know a little half season type measure, two, 279 plate appearances, popped 16 homers. Now he did it 208, 294, 445. So it was just raw power, and that was it. 263 BABIP, 36% strikeout. You know he's kind of selling out for it. So I understand people that might be a little bit uh, cautious with him. But the power is 100% legit. He's still 26 years old, so it's not like he's set in stone, can't possibly improve. There could be more to Bobby Bradley here. And if he can find 600 plate appearances, Steamer thinks 33 homers, 72 runs, 84 ribbies, but a 212 average. They, They see that as possible. Again, you would absolutely need to plan for that batting average. But what's your outlook on Bobby Bradley? And now you have some skin in the game with him on a team how do you feel about Bradley's? Uh, uh, it wasn't his debut, but it was his. It was his first like large sample. He debuted in nineteen for forty nine plate appearances. This was his essentially his debut, though. We got a chance to really see Bobby Bradley. What do you think of what we saw from him in twenty twenty one, and what will we see this upcoming year? Uh, I mean, to quote the old Dennis Green, he is who we thought he was. <laughs> uh, he is a guy with just a ton of power. Um, and I mean, you look throughout the minor leagues, like, you know, he's just got 
homers every step of the way. Uh, and then uh, he's going to strike out a bunch. He's probably a 30 to 40% strikeout guy. Like, I don't, like, it, he, uh, anybody if, can find like the one thing though, you know? Yeah. It, it's not always one thing, but if somebody can find like one little change for him to just hit like 230, I would, I would do a backflip for that mm-hmm. with Bobby Bradley. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing like, he represents kind of one of the last, uh, like interesting guys at first base, like where, like, because he's the the Cleveland's already said that he is going to play full time. He's the dude. So yeah. the six hundred plate appearances, like five hundred, is his normal steamer. So they're tacking on a hundred here. I definitely think he can reach. And 600. unless Cleveland signs someone after the break, like I just don't see where competition for that first base job comes. And and if they were going to sign somebody, like why would it be first base of all the places? Yeah, they've got, they've got such too a many other holes uh, on that team to, to worry about first. I mean, they, you know, they, there's, they've got Steven Kwan as their left field, you know, opening day left fielder. Um, like, so like, I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, Austin hedges is, is their catcher right now. Um, I, I, they've got other holes that they could fill if they're going to fill. And so, like, yeah, currently he's going, like, pick 400 in NFBC draft champions, or right around there. And, yeah, I mean, you got Carlos Santana, um, who I've taken as well in drafts uh, this year. I can't, I can't give him up. I, I can't fully quit he's on so Carlos cheap. Santana. He's just he, – he's – Damn near free, and he's done so much good over his career that I, I'm with you. I, I I don't know if I can give up on him. The but problem I like is Bradley. He, there is someone coming up that we're going to talk it, about here. Uh, uh, we'll we'll make him next. But yeah, okay. you're you're exactly right. Uh, with Nick Prado on on deck, that could really really mess with things for for uh, Santana. But yeah, I'm with you. And but Bradley, like it's free and clear. There's no reason that he shouldn't just get his opportunity. And obviously, you get him so late that you can fully plan to be like, I'm going to every tiebreaker. Cause I want to get Bobby Bradley late. And I mean, don't go too far with it, but like, as far as building your, your, your foundation for the, for the batting average, your tiebreaker on two guys, like when you're deciding can always just be batting average. I'll just, I'll just take the higher average. Okay. But I'm, I'm stuck between two guys here in the seventh round. Give me the better batting average because you know, you want to take the likes of Sanchez and Bradley later. That's what coming up with a plan is. Now, obviously you can't plan your 500th pick, like, like pick 500, but for guys like Bradley and Sanchez, these are the kind of guys that you jump 20, 30, 40 picks sometimes over ADP to get them. And it's still not a bad, like it's not, cost prohibitive to do that yeah absolutely um and i mean here's the thing like especially in these draft and holds you know what what's the thing i always preach is it's plate appearances Same time baby I, yep. I want guys who i feel really comfortable are gonna get me 500 plus plate appearances and bobby bradley is one of those guys you know you yep. may not like the batting average but there's gonna be like i Again, another. I keep saying this on, on different guys on this episode, but he's got legit forty homer upside. He does, um, and it's it will come at a cost, right? It's going to come at probably like a two ten, two twenty batting average. Um, yeah, he would um, need to make a, a substantial change that is unforeseen 
to hit over 225, I think. Yeah, or, or just get really lucky with it. Yeah, because I mean, we we're just talking about Jesus Sanchez, who had like you know an 84% zone contact percentage, or right around there, um, which is you know right around league average. I think it's 84.6, I believe it was last year. Uh, Robbie Bradley's zone contact percentage is 74.4. Like he's 10 <laughs> 10 points. points below league average. Uh, and he strike or he swings outside of the zone thirty percent of the time. I mean, his swing strike rate last year was almost eighteen percent. Um, like it's That's it's just so bad. It's so bad. really really and so like you know as much as we love talking about the upside and this is the episode to talk about the upside of guys getting six hundred play appearances. The downside is he is striking out so much that they can't play him. Sub 200 average, and they just have to go somewhere else. Like yeah, that is they, a legitimate they like, downside. They go, okay, you Chang. I guess you're our first baseman. Yes, um, a guy I also don't hate, by the way. Yeah, but I think he's better suited not at first base because you want that power production. Yeah, at I, first. I, I mean, and he's kind of there. He's going to be like all over the infield kind of guy. I so, agree. I um, to- I totally agree. Uh, but you know, I mean, theoretically, you know, there there isn't you know while the outcome. There is like a high side of the outcome. There's a really legitimate low out, uh, you know, outcome for Bobby Bradley, and it's not playable no matter what uh, yep. for the team. So, and I think he's the first guy that we've talked about that that has that as a pretty tangible downside. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we we've seen Cruz and Duvall struggle at the majors before, but you know they 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 have enough. Uh, uh, you know, uh, reputation and and numbers banked that they can say, hey, I'm a legit player. Sanchez ha- comes with a little bit more prospect pedigree. O'Neill Cruz comes with a ton more. Ramirez is a different kind of player. So Bradley's the first guy that like not playing at all is the downside, but it's not the likeliest downside or it's not the likeliest outcome either though. I, I still yeah. like drafting him, especially at pick 411 because you could be getting an equal number of plate appearances, if not more from that spot. And usually when you're picking in the 400s, you're not getting 400 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he needs to make some gains um, against lefties. Uh, You know, I mean, he only hit 162 against lefties last year. That that was the, the, the roughest part was that they just owned him. And this is Um, a team that does have options on the bench in terms of, you know, guys who can platoon. Right now they even have three, three different platoons projected and you know so if Andres Jimenez or Bradley Zimmer like can figure out a way to get full-time playing time it gives them another option to platoon for Bradley yeah platoon someone with Bradley so I agree uh before we get off Cleveland here I just want to give uh one other name I still really like Josh Naylor and I I do too but I don't know that he's gonna be ready to start the season and I was gonna point that out like I felt like he was showing a few things last year. You're not going to find it in the 250 plate appearances as a whole and be like, oh, wow, this is more of a watching him, uh, not day-to-day. I don't watch every Cleveland game, but I watched a pretty high number because they always had a good pitcher going that I I wanted to see. So I watched a lot of Josh Naylor games. He's still only 25. Uh, The latest news is from December 1st. It's a similar thing to uh, uh, um, Acuna where they have a video of him hitting. So people are getting excited about it, but it's like, relax nothing's guaranteed and we'll see where he's at uh you know as as spring training comes along but don't forget the name josh naylor and unfortunately though he is another guy who could uh creep in on bobby bradley's playing time they're both lefties though so that's that's the thing where yeah, they don't but fit I mean, naylor really hasn't um played first 
Uh, oh, okay. I was going off this article here that listed oh, him I guess, as an no, OS I guess he slash does, Yeah, so I guess he played... Looks like he played 13 games there. I wow. think he had. He maybe would have played more if Carlos Santana hadn't oh, been yeah, there. Oh, that's, yeah, that's probably, that's probably true. Um, for that first year that he was with them. Naylor is really interesting. So he I was a guy like that uh, my partner in the tag team uh, league, uh, Shelly V, was really kind of pushing. Like, he's got some really, really interesting plate skills. Yep. Uh, you know, only struck out 18% of the time uh, in those 250 plate appearances. Um, and while, you know, while he did that, his own contact percentage was 88%. And he's a career almost 90% zone contact guy. Um, and we have not seen the best of his power yet. There is more yeah. in the tank that he just has to start tapping in. But I say start tapping into, he's going to be 25 this year. He's still young enough. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned he's this a lot. He's one of those guys that I thought was older than exactly. Uh, he is. Qu quiz a bunch of baseball heads who, like, know enough to know the name Josh now and I guarantee mm -hmm. you the majority of those are going to say like 27 or older because it feels he like he's still figure forever. out a way to lift the ball I mean that's yes. his, his main he's got problem some Diaz issues yeah he, you know 50% ground ball percentage uh last year 51.6% for his career um he's got to figure out a way to kind of raise the launch angle that being said he did start to last year um exactly that's the injury the that's what I was seeing. I was like, he's starting to tap into this power. So I really like Josh Naylor. I just wanted to bring him up too. His steamer 600 is pretty good, but that was just a throw in because I saw his. He also has great night there. skills. He does. Uh, Naylor is he... the guy who like accidentally stabbed. Did he cut someone. himself? I, I did. I didn't know that. That's yeah. hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so be careful. He'll knife the coach for extra playing time. <laughs> uh, yeah. 22 homers, 76 ribbies, 70 runs, uh, 272 average and four steals for Josh Naylor. He is also very much off the radar right now. Um, if you're interested in him, let's go back to Nick Prado, who we hinted at. And that's a, that is a reason to have a little bit of concern about, uh, um, the return of, What's oh Carlos Santana? God, mm -hmm. I totally blanked on his name like a total goober. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nick Prado is a very interesting prospect. Now you don't usually get a lot of first base prospects um, in name there because usually guys move down the defensive spectrum to end up at first base. But Nick Prado is a standout for sure. He had a two-level season at double and triple A and just dominated. This was his breakout year for sure. Uh, 155 WRC plus at double A with 15 homers in 61 games. Moves up to triple A and was even better. 156, one extra point there with 21 homers in 270 plate appearances. So just an excellent season. All told, it was 36 homers, 12 steals, um, you know, a ton of walks, not a great average and a lot of strikeouts. So, you know, he's got kind of a, you know, standard power profile that has a little bit of swing and miss to it. But I love the walk rate and I love the extra, the little throw in speed there from a first baseman that you don't usually expect. He's had 10, 22, 17, 7, and 5 steals at his at each of his stops. It was 12 steals all told this year. Um, so, yeah, maybe Nick Prado even throws in some some stolen bases. How do you feel about Nick Prado, P-R- a T T O, not P R A D O. Like, uh, what was the guy's name? Who was the Prado? Uh, Prado. Oh, Martin. Martin, Martin Prado. Prado. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just for spelling, P R A T T O. What do you think of Nick Prado? Is he somebody that you're drafting late in drafts right now? He's a guy that I've taken some darts on because I think he's a he's legitimately uh, up uh, early. Like I, I don't think he's one of these summer call up guys. I think he's 
uh, in that first wave of guys that comes up, what, two or three weeks after the start of the season. Uh, and I think he's got some skill or enough skills to potentially hit the ground running. Pay the bills? Oh, I thought <laughs> he had the skills to pay the bills. The, pay the bills, too, yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder how his power is going to translate in that park. Sure. A little bit. Fair, uh, fair question. And I do wonder what the batting average is going to look like. Uh, you know, Steamer gives him 246 batting average. Uh, that's probably fairish. Like, but I could also see like him really struggling. I mean, he is a guy who you know is struck out pretty much like between like 27 and 35 percent of the time at every stop. So yeah, like if, if they're being projected for a 246, you know that it can go quite a bit lower. Yeah, he does walk, which is a good thing. Um mm-hmm. and I I you know, as much as I do like Carlos Santana, like I don't think Carlos Santana is blocking him in the slightest. So uh I, I think that they they will give Prado and, and Prado Well, because they could still DH, like they can go first base DH with the two of them. <sighs> we say that, but I think Mondesi is going to play a lot of DH. You think so? Yeah, I think they're going to try to protect him. I mean, they do want to protect him. That, that, that's interesting. By the way, I didn't give Prado's 600 numbers. Pardon me on that. It's 30 homers, 83 ribbies, 79 runs, 246 average, and 10 steals. So he does, uh, with the 600-point appearances, they think he can get to that 10-steal range there for a first-base prospect. interesting because I don't think of him as... Uh, like he, he's not a burner by any I mean, stretch of I mean, imagination. He was, just, he was seven for 12 uh, at double A, so he was not yeah. making great choices. But then at triple A, he was five for five. Yeah, but you wonder how much of that is like taking advantage of bad catchers. and I don't know, but then he, 17. I mean, we, ha- we grade him as like a 40 speed guy. Yeah, but speed is not the only way to steal bases. You this can be a smart base runner and kind of get those chip-ins. Now, is he going to get the 22 that we saw back in 2018? No, I don't think so. But I would take like... I think people underestimate the value of like seven stolen bases from a first baseman or a catcher or a, a traditional non-stealing position to get those chip-in steals. I think people underestimate that. So even if he's more of a a six to eight sort of guy, Nick Prado, I would love that with the power mm-hmm. that he's supposed to be offering. Yeah, and I mean, his price is nothing right now. Like, yeah, he's going four eighty two. Um... And that's up because he made a he made one of your first base market reports yeah. for moving up, but that's just because it probably took him from like six hundred into the into the late four hundreds or something like that. Yeah, actually, I need to I need to readjust my uh, my time frame on, on my my uh, draft champions. Let's see, uh, four forty seven now. So yeah, so he is he is he's starting to get some love. He's starting to get some love, but like I also like he's not one of these prospects you're having to take the top three hundred exactly. Um, you know, drafts like, you know, for, for most people who are just drafting regular teams and not doing the draft and holds, like he's going to be free. Uh, and I think he's worth the gamble because I do think like him and wit probably come up together. So, uh, and unless like 12 days after, yeah. Like unless one of them signs a deal, uh, yeah. to, to like, you know, avoid like being held down. Uh, I think he's going to be up. Yeah, pretty quick and, and be impactful. So, um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch Kansas City. I think they're a team that is on a, on the rise here. 
they're starting to put some things together. And they had some believers last year who thought they were on the rise, myself included. And mm-hmm. then they had a good first month. And, uh, well, and you know, you're usually a year too early. So I'm, I'm chronically early. So that's, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, trying not to celebrate too much after a decent April. And then they were like the worst team in baseball from yeah. May on. It was rough. But they do, they do have a lot of talent. Let me give you a quick rank them here for, for first base prospects. I just got done saying how they're, they're rare to see like legit first base prospects because guys usually move there. But I got three legit ones right here in Juan Yepes, uh, Arizona Fall League standout, Nick Prado, and Tristan Cassis, all going pretty close to each other. Who's your favorite of those? I think Cassis. Um, Cassis is your favorite of those for for this year or for the long term. Oof. For the long term, okay. So what about for this year only? Uh, I think it's Prado. Okay, so yeah, interestingly, Yepes is the most expensive of the trio, probably really? from the a- AFL hype that he got. And he's starting to he's starting to make lists and things. I I'm 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 a pretty big Yepes fan, but I I have to constantly question like where does the playing time come from and yeah that's, i know that's... draft skills not roles i know i know i know but everywhere he plays the he's, he's a four corners guy juan yepes is which is left right first third all four of those are devastatingly blocked goldschmidt yeah. arenado tyler o'neill dylan carlson like i know injury is an avenue but as far as like over like they're having somebody, to move nolan gorman to second to base, second base yeah just because they don't have room for him on the corners like exactly i, exactly. I just don't know where yeah like i did not rank yepis in my top 60 first baseman i uh, i still had i still had room for him there but i understand the concerns yeah, I just I just don't know where the playing time. Don't forget the DH though too. They have Paul DeYoung. We have Paul DeYoung penciled in because roster resource Jason Martinez is assuming the DH as well uh, mm-hmm. right now until we get word otherwise. And so that's where he was able to uh, he put he puts Paul DeYoung there, which I get. I don't think Yepes mm-hmm. would come in and just be like the primetime DH, but that would be an avenue right now outside of injury. Yeah, uh, and it's not but, like Yepes is one of those guys where like he's going to be twenty four. Like they need to. Get He's ready majors. to come up and just yeah. be a player. So, you know, I, I still ranked him, um, but I, I got him more like with those guys. Now, as far as my answers on the same questions there, I don't, I think Cassis long term as well. I really, really like him. Mm-hmm. Short term, it might be Yepes for me, despite what I just outlined yeah. as far as the, the, when I'm thinking short term like that, I've got to think of like, where's the path to playing you have time? To, and... You have to think playing time. You're hundred percent right. So it, it is hard to say him short term. I, I will agree with that, but uh, don't, don't leave any of those three off, off your draft and hold list. Cause uh, I think there are all three draft and hold viable at the very least. All right. Next up is, let me get this guys. Hang on. It's a tough pronunciation. Eloris, Eloris, it's E-L-E-H-U-R-I-S, Montero, Eloris Montero. Now, you might not know the name. You might not uh, be familiar with this at all. He was part of the Nolan Arenado deal. And obviously, they didn't get a ton in that deal. It was more of a uh, quantity over quality situation. And Gomber was not too bad. We're still talking about one of the best third basemen in the freaking universe. You should get more than like a decent lefty and then a, a corner prospect here in Montero. But he did stand out to me here. This is a guy that I was not really thinking about until I did this exercise. But he has one of the best things working for him in terms of fantasy. 
he plays in Coors. So the current projection um, only gets him for eight plate appearances or eight games. Like they don't think he's part of the team this year, but he's 23. He spent about a month in AAA last year. So, you know, he's, he's got some AAA time. I don't think he breaks camp, but I don't think he needs too much time in the minors. I think he gets, I think he easily beats the 33 plate appearance projection that they have for him. If he were to find 600, Steamer believes he could go 29 homers, 87 ribbies, 80 runs, and a 275 average with a couple steals. What is your outlook on Montero? Have you given him any thought this offseason as somebody who could sneak some Coors time and maybe become uh, maybe become viable simply by having a great park to play at? And, and good minor league numbers, by the way. I don't want to pretend that he's never done anything coming up. He's been a solid prospect, but he's not he's not a standout prospect, let's say. Yeah, um... I, I mean, he's not even their best prospect at the position. So, like, I don't know that he's even the first man up if they're going to bring up a guy as, like, a corner infielder. They clearly got Colton Welker, who uh, made his major league debut late last year, uh, was god-awful. Uh, but I think he'll get first shot. Um, but, like, I just don't trust the Rockies. Yeah, how could you? I mean, like, Montero is, you know, we make the joke all the time, but at 23, they're like, ah, four he, more years of the yeah, season, buddy, we'll get yeah. to you. <laughs> Let's burn some options first here. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, especially with the, you know, they, they re-signed CJ Cron. Um, mm-hmm. They need to find, you know, spots for, you know, playing time for guys like Connor Joe uh, and... I know there's talk that they could move Ryan McMahon to shortstop, but that just seems so stupid. Um, I mean, it makes makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but the infield is kind of blocked off. Crone at yeah. first, uh, Rogers at second, Hampson at short, McMahon at third. Whatever the configuration is, that kind of blocks off Montero. And I tend to agree with you that Walker or Welker, excuse me, and even a guy who's already on the team, Ryan Velade. I think Velade mm-hmm. yeah, is he's above a guy both been, of those guys. He's a guy I've been drafting quite a bit, like super late. Uh, Velade is. Uh, let me see. He might be a steamer six hundred candidate. That if he found the playing time, he could produce some interesting numbers. Let me see what they have him down for. Um, you can you keep talking. I'll find. Yeah, I mean, Vlade. They have projected. I think. I think the outfield. Or actually, I guess they don't even. Yeah, infield outfield is listed. Yeah. Of slash one B. Like yeah, uh, outfield being his primary. But I think he could take. Uh, I think he gets playing time over both those guys though. Uh, over Welker and and our boy Montero here. Um, not a huge projection for Steamer 600 on Velade. 10 homers, 62 ribbies, 65 runs, 13 steals, and a 268 average. Still kind of fantasy interesting, though. So maybe he's the better name to discuss here, and then maybe even Welker over Montero, because Montero's just too young, which is such a weird thing to say, but that's the Rockies for you. Yeah, well, and they just have a bunch of these, like, 23-, 24-year-olds that – you know, were probably interesting prospects at one point and, Mm -hmm. you know, just haven't developed as quickly or in the way they thought they would. But, I mean, Velade is, you know, I mean, he's a guy who in 2019 in high A hit 12 home runs, stole 24 bases. Last year in AAA uh, hit seven home runs, uh, stole 12 bases, 284 batting average. Um, I I mean, I think if he could find full-time playing time, like I think he could be like a – 
a 1020 guy um in like in, in Colorado I just don't know that he's going to be able to find full-time playing time uh but addition to the DH you've got a team of guys that you know you know all haven't been able to necessarily either stay healthy or, or produce I was going to say, they've got basis. some crusty guys there who might get, yeah. I mean, I, I like Blackman a lot, but, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's getting up there in age. Uh, you know, Brennan Rodgers has struggled has to stay issues, healthy. Yeah. CJ Cron has, you know, struggled Over with health 30. at times uh, in his career. Like, right now, they they have, we have Sam Hilliard projected to be the center fielder, but, like, Sam Hilliard has never really proven he can you know, be a full-time regular uh, in the majors. Like, even Garrett Hampson struggles, you know, constantly. There's, there's, in spite of the fact that this is kind of a pretty full offense, like, there's lots of paths to playing time. Like, I can see different paths. So... I, what's funny, though, is... Wait, is this guy a free agent? Because I was going to say, I, have, I think I have another block on uh, on Montero here. What's uh what's the story on Josh Fuentes? He's a free agent. Okay, okay. So. Wait, so how is he free agent already? Um been in the league for like five seconds. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, but he's he's gonna be twenty nine next year. So oh, he's, I, I think he's he, different he, than he the other was, guys. He was uh outrighted and chose free agency uh, okay. as opposed to um accepting okay. the assignment. He was designated for assignment and so then it, it's really Velade and Welker that, mm-hmm. that are fighting with Montero. So rank those three. Uh, Ryan Vlade, Colton Welker, and Eloris? Eloris. Montero. Montero. Uh, which of those three would you take in a draft and hold Vlade. right now? Okay. Yeah, I think that's the order. I think it's Vlade, Welker, and then Montero. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, and it, uh, what's probably going to happen, all three of them get 200 plate appearances instead of just yeah, playing and, one and of that's them. that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, yes. I mean... And it's going to be super frustrating, uh, or some random guy uh, <laughs> with like a super generic name that's thirty years old will appear. Very similar to Connor Joe. Um, <laughs> I so. got the name, dude. The first one I picked, perfect. Kyle Holder. I was like, I just hope he's old, age twenty eight. He's perfect. Never heard of him. Have no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. There's your guy, Connor Hol- or Kyle like Holder. Or a DJ Peterson like reappears. Oh He's oh my God. 30 years old and, and still in, you know, <laughs> like he he's the kind of guy that could like. Uh, they're so dumb. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just they're just the dumbest. All right. We got a couple more here. I, got, I did a combo one here. Um, but these last three are, are more speed focused. The problem was when I sorted by speed on Steamer 600, it was guys that just aren't worth talking about. Literally, the second guy on the list was Terrence Gore, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I get it because he's got so much speed that if he magically found 600 plate appearances, sure. Mondesi was number one, but then this guy was number three, Vidal Bruhan, who I do love, and I wanted to pair Bruhan and Brett Phillips together uh, because I think that they're you know somewhat fighting for the playing time. Uh, against each other in Tampa Bay. Right now, neither is projected in the starting lineup. The outfield is Rosarena in left, Kiermaier in center, Margot in right, and then Austin Meadows at DH. Now, Kiermaier might have already been gone if if not for the lockout. They seem dead set on wanting to trade him, so he could clear up some playing time as soon as the lockout's done. Yeah, who's we did take that because I mean this is this is an argument I've had for the last two years with. 
un, unnamed Rays fans um, around our industry. Uh, I could never guess who that is. <laughs> it, I, 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 I don't. So what are you, what are you taking on? Like 14 and a half mil? Because you have to do the two and a half mil buyout next year along with yeah, the Yeah, like I, I just, I mean, maybe now, is this the last year of it? Um, yeah, and then, then the next year is an option, a team option, or the two and a half mil buyout. So maybe this is the year of somebody, but... They can I, get it done this year. Like, do you want a guy who's coming off of arthroscopic knee surgery, who's yeah. never been able to stay healthy? That's the bastion of health, yeah. Yeah, 32 years old. Bastion means never stays healthy, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, then Kevin Kiermaier is the that's bastion your wordle of the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. But I think we know that a team like the Rays, if they're motivated to get that trade done, they can get it done, even if it ends up where they but just get some. they've been motivated. Some... <laughs> they still haven't been able to get that, That's it fair. Done. But I, I think this is probably their best shot because it is only with the one year left. So they need to figure out somebody who will – who can afford the 14 mil. Maybe they send a little bit of the money with him. Maybe they send the buyout with Kiermaier. Right? Or, or, ma- or maybe they send a prospect. Or a prospect because they have $8 billion Or you know what they'd love to do? They'll send a reliever with him. Uh, th- I wouldn't even be surprised. Or yeah. maybe what they get back is a reliever that ends up mm-hmm. being a god out of nowhere. But yeah. either way, I, let's plan. Let's just plan for Kiermaier to be gone. Just because it makes the conversation better in this instance. Okay. And I, I do think that they will get it done, but but... In the, they might in this not. version I, of the Spider Verse will. Yes, this Spider Verse, they're definitely getting it done. So Kiermaier's gone. Who's your favorite to take center there between Bruhan and Phillips? Oh, I think it's Bruhan. Okay, let uh, me give you some numbers on both real quick. Bruhan at 600 point appearances is 13 homers, 62 ribbies, 68 runs, 36 steals yeah. with a 245 average. And Brett Phillips is further on my list here. I can't find him. Or two L's. Uh, Phillips has two L's. All right. Brett Phillips is still not showing up. Why am I bad at life? Well, I will also, I want to point out why I'm getting his numbers for this year. I want to point out that this past year, he did go 13 and 14 uh, with the homers and steals in 292 plate appearances, showing the power and speed, but he struck out 39% of the time and thus only hit 206. Steamer says if he could get. Uh, 600 point appearances, 19 homers, 63 ribbies, 69 runs. Very nice. 24 steals and a 200 average. So the problem is, is those skills, right? With, with Phillips. So talk to us about Bruhan. If he were to win the job, what, where would, what would that do to your interest level? The day Kiermaier's dealt, what do you do with Bruhan in your rankings? Man, I've been talking about Vidal Bruhan, uh, forever like i he's a guy that i've like rostered in dynasty leagues and mm-hmm. um like i mean you just look at what he did in triple a last year and you kind of dream on that in 441 yep. plate appearances he hit 12 home runs and stole 44 bases um, i adore Bruhan still i'm i'm still very very excited about him. yeah i i th- you know and i know like the the call up was ugly but he was getting disjointed playing time uh, really did not get an opportunity. I mean, you know, what he did in AAA last year, you know, aside from the gaudy stolen base numbers, you know, 15% strikeout rate, 11% walk rate, hit 262. Like, I think he's um, a legitimate stud. And I, I said this uh, maybe last year or the year before, I can't remember. You know, I think he has the potential um, and can be a better fantasy player than Wander Franco. 
I, I knew where you were going right away. I, I'm fairly certain I've said the exact same things. I, I, I don't have anything to add because I agree fully. I, I adore Vidal Brujan. We have not seen anything from him yet. I don't care about the 10-game call-up. Um, I'm still as in on him as can be. He's he's very cheap now. He's picked 350. Now, I will say that's a little – it's cheap, but then you look at some of the guys around him and it's not as cheap as maybe it should be without a playing time role, but maybe the market is kind of assuming the same thing because he's – the next outfielder, outfielder 90 to Bruhan's 89, is Margot, who I know you love. And you wouldn't take the guy without the playing time over the prospect. And I wouldn't either. And I I, I don't love Margot as much as you, but I would take Margot over Bruhan all day. So the market's actually pretty keen on Bruhan, uh, meaning that he needs to find the playing time to be worth his pick. Yeah, I mean... I'd love to see them move someone. Uh, I mean, maybe it is Kiermaier. Maybe Kiermaier is the guy that they end up uh, moving um, in order to give Bruhan kind of the, 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 the plate appearances. But it's hard to bank on that at this point. Um, but, you know... Not a I pick mean, 350. I don't pick think. 350, it's worth the gamble. Because, I mean, especially if you're, you're dying for speed late. Uh, if you're in a position where you just, uh, I, I need to get some stolen bases. Uh, if he's going to be on this roster, uh, they're going to utilize that speed. He's going to find, yeah, Bruhan yeah. will find some play. He's a switch hitter, so he can kind of maneuver around. Um, I don't know what his career is against lefties, if if he can use that as an avenue uh, to, to you know, push Meadows to the bench or G-Man Choi, not that Bruhan would play first, but some sort of finagling that ends up working out that way to where he's at least playing against lefties and then, you know, starting to steal some time against righties. But either way, I love the talent, and we know speed guys, they don't need a ton of PT to be impactful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if he can play with a, a modicum of regularity and get those steals, he's going to be valuable, Fidel Brujan will. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got legit, like, 70 great speed. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, I mean, he could easily, you know, even just being like a Rajay Davis, Gerard yes. Dyson type off the bench, like, like I could see him finding his way into 20-plus stolen bases even not as a full-time player. So Rajay Davis was 1 billion percent the name I had in mind when I said you don't need full-time to be a steals god. Uh, Dyson's another great one. How many years was Dyson rostered knowing that he was the outfielder for and team, team still wanted those steals? But yeah, Rajay Davis is the poster boy there. He topped 500 plate appearances once in his career and yet has five 40-plus steal seasons Two more over 30, two more 29s, and then a 22, a 21, and an 18 in addition to that. And those all came in 219, 216, and 370 plate appearances, plus the 150 burger that he had with Oakland. So, yeah, Rajay Davis is the poster boy there. Bruhan could eventually play himself into more time, though, too, because he's very good. Um, he doesn't strike out. He can take his walks to kind of keep the OBP going and get those uh, stolen base opportunities. There's a ton of upside here. It might not all click this year, but I'm still going to get my Bruhan shares mm-hmm. just in case this is the year. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, going back to Phillips, like, I just think he is the perfect fourth outfielder. Like, and I don't think he's... Yeah, because he's a great defender. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than that. I mean, he's a career 140 hitter against lefties and a career 222 hitter against righties. What's, what's, what's his career strikeout rate, too? Uh... Career strikeout rate is probably probably like thirty seven. 
No, I, I oh, think it's like wow. mid thirty yeah, six. Yeah. Yeah. See, so you, you, he's gonna be twenty eight next year. I love Brett Phillips, by the way. Great, great guy. Know him from Twitch. Like one of the best people in the game. Um, I got to disparage him a little bit, though. I'm sorry. Like you just don't fix thirty six percent strikeout rate at age twenty eight. So he's always going to be a batting average anchor. Yeah, I mean, he, anchor he's... in a bad sense. This <laughs> I know sometimes we say like a a power anchor, get your guy hitting forty. No, no, I mean anchor weighing you down in a negative way. This in this instance. Yeah, I mean he's got a really just gross plate discipline kind of uh, numbers, like you know seventy two percent zone contact percentage, and that's coming with only swinging outside of the zone twenty one percent of the time. So, like, he really doesn't know where the ball is inside of the zone, which is a huge problem. Yeah, that's that's tough. So, I do think Bruhan is the guy here, but I wanted to include Phillips just because he had a nice, shiny uh, steamer 600 himself, uh, despite the batting average. So, Bruhan's the guy, though. And then the last guy we're going to talk about here uh, is somebody who... I don't know, maybe he could get to that point appearance level. Uh, Tyler Wade is now an angel. And I don't know if you used him as a fill-in at all last year. I know he was kind of a popular waiver guy to go on and off of rosters because he wound up with 17 steals. Now, it came with zero homers, but 17 steals and 145 plate appearances is pretty much exactly what we're talking about on the Rajay Davis scale, right? Because he also hit 268, and Davis was usually going to give you a little bit of batting average with it. He wasn't like a, a batting average sinkhole. So Wade has flashed a little bit of Rajay Davis capability last year. He's penciled in as their starting shortstop, at least on the strong side. What can Tyler Wade do in a in a full season? I will tell you that he was fifth on the SB Steamer 600 with 34 behind somebody named Stuart Baroa from Toronto. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, but he has 34 steals, nine homers, 55 ribbies, 65 runs, and a 234 average. I, I could quibble with the power because I don't think he has much. But what I really kind of balk at, even though – Maybe maybe it's more accurate than I thought. I didn't know he's had he's a career two twelve guy. I wonder how much of that is disjointed playing time and how much of that is well, he's got some swing and miss too. Tyler Wade, let me backtrack a little bit on the Rajay Davis comp. He swings and misses quite a bit for what would normally be like a slap hitter. He's a twenty six percent strikeout rate guy, and that's why he's a two twelve career average. So maybe the batting average is more in line with what it should be. But what do you think Tyler Tyler Wade's outlook is this year in LA? Uh, with at least an early bead on playing time at shortstop. Yeah, the question I think really is, do we think the Angels are in on Trevor Story or Carlos Correa? Um, I, I can tell you what the answer should be. The answer should be yes. And it should be unequivocally yes. Yeah. I know they need to get pitching, but absent that, they need to do the uh, the Anthony Rendon thing again. Like when they couldn't get Cole, I they got Rendon. I think added their pitching. I think they have two, but like there's no there's nobody else to get anyway. Yeah, like I mean they they signed that would be high high impact. They got Thor and Lorenzen. Yeah, so like I don't know that maybe they add another and Luke, kind of by the way for the bullpen. Yeah, and and brought back Rossiel Iglesias. So, mm-hmm. um, like I think there could be like a a lower end starter that they add so they can keep their six man rotation. Yeah, something uh, like that at, at most. I agree, but like I don't, I don't think it's like a, a big name. Like if they're gonna add another big name to this roster, I think it has to be a shortstop. Um, that being said, like right now, even if they added a big name, like 
Tyler Wade at worst becomes their super utility guy. Exactly. Um, which could put him in play for, you know, 400 plate appearances, uh, which would be the most of his career by far. I mean, last year was 145. That was the most. <laughs> that was a big jump. Um, does he interest you at all? Does he have he enough does. speed? I, I've drafted him in my four drafts that I finished. So this doesn't include the, uh, the F-Pass draft that's still going on. Uh, I've drafted him three times. Uh, oh, okay. So I didn't even know I was hitting on one of your uh, yeah, low-key faves here. Th- this whole list of guys that I really like this year as kind of, you know, uh, potential, you know, sleepers, if, if we want to say that sleepers exist still. Um, My guess is you're very intrigued by the, uh, you know, after pick 400, triple eligibility yep. at short, third, and outfield with that Tyler Wade, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he gets to play middle, corner, or outfield. Uh, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, I mean, and you know, who knows where story and Correa land and if they actually decide, Hey, maybe we will enter the season with Wade as uh, a pretty regular player. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I think they will go and get one of these big guys. I think this is a, I think they're looking at their team and going, you know, Mike Trout's 30, Otani's, you know, 27. Yeah. Let's, let's make a push, you know, at, you know, becoming competitive in this division uh, and, you know, getting, you know, a gener- generational talents into the playoffs. So I, uh, I totally agree. But then Wade, just like we said, just becomes the super yeah. detail and, if he's, and bounces around everywhere. And like, if he can get 350 plate appearances, let's say, uh, or let's go look at Steamer's actual projection, which is 298, um, four home runs, 17 stolen bases. I'll take that where Wade is going. Exactly. Um, and, and with with the upside for more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like Tyler Wade a lot. He, he's one of those guys, especially in these draft and holds, that I think is really important to try to maybe bump up a round or two and take because he gives you such added flexibility on your roster. Yep, and and you know he's going to be in the majors, right? He's twenty-seven yeah. years old. They, it makes sense to have him on the roster. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's somebody that makes so much sense in drafting holds. And listen, when you start getting in past, you know, pick three hundred or whatever, you, I'm not saying anybody should be like geeking out over Tyler Wade, but when you do a lot of drafting holds, you start to find these pockets of value in the 400s and the 500s that you that you like, that you really psych yourself into. And Tyler Wade can be that kind of guy because the triple eligibility that late in a draft, and if you've ever done a draft and hold, uh, the little indicator for injury, if you've, ever, if you've never played NFBC and you've heard people talk about red suitcases, it's a little red suitcase next to their name um, in the NFBC. Those start to pile up in your draft and holds and you just you, you can't believe how quickly you might be out of players so somebody like wade that late that cheap who can play three spots and offer one of the most scarce commodities and steals he's got some value so in the framework of this pick you know 400 in a draft and hold i really like tyler wade too i agree you know i mean it's <laughs> joe madden loves these kind of guys he does like he you know he the turned Benzo one of them into Brits, a god yeah, yeah exactly. of the world like guys that are you know can play every position you know isn't necessarily a standout at anything but just you know and and so like he went and traded for this guy um 
I think they're going to give him an opportunity. Now, like, do I think he's going to turn out to be like the reason you win your fantasy league? Absolutely no. not. But he could definitely be the guy that helps you finagle your roster to get other guys in that can help you win. So, exactly. um, yeah, I, I like Tyler Wade a lot this year. All right. So that's the steamer 600, some potential gems there. Some guys already locked in with playing time, like a Renfro or a Duval, uh, O'Neill Cruz kind of as well too, but he's still, he's still someone to dream on. And then some guys who are going to be fighting for their time, like Harold Ramirez and Nick Prado. Uh, but then some potential speedsters in Bruhan and Wade that we really like. So some interesting guys there. I like to look at the steamer 600 every year just to see, it's a good way to see whose skills um, could be rewarded if they find that playing time because so much is about playing time. And you hinted that that is your key driver in a draft and hold is you just need guys who are playing. You can't take a million uh, flyer prospects because then as the red suitcases pile up, you have nobody to go in, in into your roster. So you need some of these, you know, uh, you know, unsexy guys that you can dream on a bit from a playing time standpoint, Tyler Wade definitely fits that, as do most of the guys on this list here. By the way, I want to say, you're doing an excellent job on the restart of this draft. I'm looking down, like, there's so many, like, you started with Knievel, which, I, like I said, he was number one on my list because I needed a closer. Um, Kyle Finnegan, another potential closer. I considered him with Sims. I went with Sims. I think he's on a better team, but that's really a coin toss. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, obviously we've talked about him a lot. Bradley and Frazier, we both we talked both about them on this show. Rich Hill in round 29, he's going to give you 100 good innings somewhere. Um, Nick Martinez, we talked about him very recently. Cole Irvin was excellent last year, and nobody expects him to repeat, but you got him around 33. You got your boy Tucker, Cole Tucker. Edwin Rios and Michael Lorenzen were, were both snipes on me, and that was very rude. Yeah, it was – the Lorenzen was like I didn't know who to take, and Michael Simeone's in this draft. Yeah. And so I just so you wanted don't, you to troll can't give him. him. You can't give yeah. him two more cracks at it. Yeah, I just, I just like, I don't even really like Michael Lorenzen. I know, but it's it's really fun to, to just like you know, especially in a draft that doesn't have any money attached to it, just to kind of, uh, you know, kind of rub it in your uh, friend's face. So. Exactly, jamming him up in mm-hmm. the draft and then bragging rights after are the uh, are the big are the big wins in a draft like this. So if you could stick it to him, if I'd have been, if I'd have been able to get Zimmer from you in this draft, that would have been the same, same yeah. sort of vibe. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you like kind of the back end of this draft because, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to, to look back. Cause I mean, we drafted this in mid October, the first October. Yeah. And like, I look at my team and I go, Hey, I like a lot of it. And then there's other parts of it. Like, Oh my God. Like, Oh, bro, yeah. I, t- <laughs> I, t- I took Nick Solak in the 22nd round. No oh. shot I'm doing that now. Yeah, I took I took Joey Gallo in the 12th. And, you know, uh, I mean, thankfully, like, I, I don't have, like, like somebody took Max Muncy in, like, the third or fourth round. Uh, See, that's tough because obviously they didn't, Yeah. you know, yeah. They, they, didn't, they didn't know what was going to happen there that has now made that. I thought it was me. And like I, I was. Oh, like, you were worried that you had had. Yeah, it. I was like, oh, I know, I, I love Max Muncy, so like that's gonna end up having been me. And no, thank God, I took Nick Cassianos in, in the in the third though, um, which I don't actually. That don't necessarily mind, but like he's going so much later than that now. Yeah, and I think a part of it, you know, so much of that is that he doesn't have a team right now, mm-hmm. and we we know that he'll bounce back up. But yeah, I mean, 
looking back at the first part of that draft is always one of the most fun things of the offseason because you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Wouldn't have done mm-hmm. that. Wouldn't have done that. But uh, yeah, so I, I think I think you've done a great job on the restart. Um, I like uh, some of my guys, but uh, I, I I was looking down your line there in, in slot 15. I was like, damn, that's basically off my draft list there that, that you were picking from. So, all right, Nick, um, I almost called you Nick because I'm looking at Nick Prado's thing here. It wasn't even a Nick Pollock reference. It was Nick Prado. Speaking uh, just, of Nick, we, we've got PitchCon coming up, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I got lots of things I'm, I'm going to be involved in for that. PitchCon hosted by PitcherList going to feature all your favorites in the industry. You mm-hmm. guys are definitely going to love that. It'll be, it, it was it's amazing on its own, but you factor in the circumstances of the lockout and kind of the negativity surrounding baseball right now to throw something, uh, to put on an event that is so baseball positive. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, and for for those that are asking, Potapalooza this year, I'm going to do it during the All Star break. Okay, perfect. So I'm not running up against first pitch Florida. I'm not running up against PitchCon. Pitch uh, so you know, when when other people are starting to move over to football. We're going to do a huge baseball event the, the week of uh, the All-Star break. So uh, hopefully people are okay with that. They don't really have much of a choice because that's what they said. <laughs> Too bad yeah. if you don't like it. No, sign up for TGFBI if, if you haven't already. Yes, uh, I have the you... sign-up sheet here. I need to finish my sign-up. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you know the month. Man. Yeah. But I'm excited. And also, um, this is something that Justin's been on for a long time. Mm-hmm having us do a live video feed of the pod. And uh, he's right. We should have been doing it for a long time. I know other pods do it. I got to be honest. I think you might have had the idea before some of those pods. Were, not not to, not the mm-hmm. shade. We, we didn't start it. So this is not a, a, an original thing. But we're going to join the join the the throngs of folks that live record the pod. Are, are we going to do it in the Discord? Is that where you did it? Yeah, like, yeah. So I, I what I do is I set up a kind of a, a secret link uh, via YouTube, and then I, I share that in the Discord. So perfect. Uh, if you're part of the $4.20 tier, uh, you can catch that. We'll start doing that regularly uh, on Friday. Perfect. And you've probably already been seeing some articles, just some little quick-hitting articles from me coming out on the Patreon. More of that to come. Y'all supporting us. We greatly appreciate it. Got to make it worth y'all's while, though, too. So I definitely want to have more of that coming. Was going to do some on the weekend, but like I said, I was out of commission uh, pretty much completely Saturday, Sunday, and then yesterday, too. So, But anyway, thank y'all so much for listening. Justin, great speaking with you. I'll talk to you and see you on Friday. Take it easy.